Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. U.S. stocks took a tumble overnight as rising jobless claims in the U.S. undercut any bullish sentiment. Tech stocks were the worst performers. The Nasdaq fell 2.3%. The S&P 500 suffered its worst loss in nearly a month, dropping more than 1%. The Dow is in the red as well. Here in Asia, Sydney and Seoul are down in early trade amid concerns over rising U.S.-China tensions. Tokyo is closed for a public holiday. Joining me now to discuss... All the market action is Pan Jingyi. She's market strategist with IG. She's been filling in all this week for Ryan Huang, who's on leave. Jingyi, good morning. Good morning, Michelle. Happy Friday. Yes, TGIF. (laughs) More than 1.4 million people applied for jobless benefits in the U.S. last week. Now, that's a number that we've been looking at quite closely. That's a lot of new unemployment claims by any count. It's also the first weekly increase since March. It is the 18th consecutive week that the number has topped 1 million, a level Mm. unheard of before the pandemic. So to what extent is this weak U.S. labour market going to affect the U.S. economy? Economy, and by extension, global stocks. Yes, so Michelle, I think what we have seen overnight is that with markets, U.S. markets in particular, um, is that we've seen quite a bit of sell-off, uh, both more than 1% for the likes of the Dow and the S&P 500 index. As you pointed out, the data itself, the U.S. Well, jobless claims data, consensus expectation was about 1.35 million. And of course, that 1.43 million came about uh, coming through to be a surprise. And I, I think, you know, um, sorry, I should say actually the latest numbers itself, uh, it's, it's actually, um, sorry, the latest numbers itself, um, really looking at 1.42 million. So I think, you know, the market itself was really, wasn't really expecting actually an increase over here and I think on that end itself um, that really changing trend because we did know that quite a number of these businesses was affected with some of the localized uh, shutdowns across various US states including the likes of California um, seeing some of the new measures as the spike in COVID-19 cases came by but I think this itself comes through as a bit of a caution. Broadly though I have to point out that I Mm -hmm. think you know this is this kind of uh, fluctuations, as you see, after the well, jobless claims came down from that peak in March itself, it's not perhaps a surprise. I think you know around the current level, it's going to be the case until we can really see a bit of the well, improvements. It's really going to be seen um, in terms of the COVID-19 conditions. Uh, one piece of good news, however, is that we do see perhaps the rolling seven-day basis for COVID-19 cases in the U.S. actually falling a little bit. So the trend itself mm-hmm. is actually de- decreasing. So um, looking towards you know any of the stabilized signs, but until then, I think, you know, looking at this jobless claims data, this is likely to be the kind of trend. All right. Worth noting, though, that before the pandemic, applications had never exceeded 700,000 zeroing mm. in on that 1.4 million number again. I'm speaking with Pan Jingyi. She's market strategist with IG. So these job losses in the US come at a time when federal unemployment benefits are about to run out. Back in March, the US Congress approved an extra 600 US dollars a week in jobless benefits for the unemployed. And those funds expire 31st July, end of this month, unless the US Congress can pass a new bill, which appears uncertain. So with nearly 30 million Americans unemployed, what do you think, Jingyi, is going to be the impact on the US economy if Congress does not reach an agreement to extend these benefits? 
Yes, and Michelle, definitely an important point that you're raising today on Friday as we look into next week as well, whether this uh, fiscal uh, stimulus well pumped in, uh, you know, it's going to really be recharged in this sense. Um, I think, you know, for markets, we have seen some of the data really improving, whether you're talking about some of the uh, consumer indicators and, of course, looking this Friday as well as with the market um, services PMI that we're expecting in the U.S., we're looking to well actually that indication well, swinging back into expansion. So it's quite important that I think to some extent that we want to continue to see that this is support during a time where COVID-19 implication is still uh, well, pretty much rampant across U.S. economy um, in order to keep that kind of spending going on, this kind of uh, jobless um, support over there. Um, so I think definitely this is very important. There's been some arguments, of course, about whether this itself may actually pre- prevent folks from going out to actually seek jobs. I think as much as possible that we are seeing well, some of the job openings um, actually increasing a little bit in May, uh, but that's still really early numbers, so I think you know it's quite important at this point still that, of course, I think the economy is really looking to have continued support coming through. We know Democrats want to push for a larger sum, um, but how that's going to work out, I think it's really quite a bit of human factors that we have to still wait upon, uh, but definitely I do think both the Republicans and Democrats just want to see further support coming through, so I think markets really holding a little bit out for that at this point of time. Indeed, Jingyi. We're going to turn to corporate news now uh, for a change of pace. Marina Bay Sands has posted a loss for the second quarter of the year. Perhaps no surprise since Marina Bay Sands was forced to close its doors during the circuit breaker. The integrated resort lost more than 110 million US dollars and now it's indicating it may delay its expansion plans. As you recall, it's supposed to build a fourth tower as part of a deal to renew its license. So, Jingyi, if MBS does indeed put these plans on hold, what type of ripple effect will that have on other Singapore companies? Yes, yeah, so, Michelle, I do think that this itself comes true as, you know, really first and foremost, something that perhaps is a bit expected, just really given the kind of unexpected COVID-19 hit upon uh, well, our Singapore as well, as you said, you know, Q2 losses, that's really when the circuit breaker hit us really strong. And until then, I think, you know, until now, we don't really know if, you know, things are going to really recover uh, and no traveling, perhaps really leisure travel expected until next year. So on that end itself, I think this doesn't come across as a surprise. The impact here, I think, you know, really comes a little bit more towards the construction side of things. So whether that itself, um, I think, you know, it's been, we've seen construction altogether taking a bit of a hit as well in the latest GDP numbers. That is unlikely to really, I think, you know, remain a little bit of the case in the short term to medium term as well for the Singapore economy. Um, but over and above that, I think, you know, this really, that kind of employment that we perhaps were expecting as long, uh, alongside this kind of increased expansion uh, projects itself, uh, I think it's going to be something pretty much delayed alongside as well. Um, I think, you know, the new, the, the, the situation as it is with regards to the tourism side of things is that I think, you know, it's still going to be a little bit more dampened at this point of time, uh, but certainly looking to, you know, this discussion about whether domestic tourism could actually well, perhaps, you know, help to just keep things afloat for the short term um, in the time being, Michelle. Also worth noting, MBS has committed to investing $9 billion in new non-gaming attractions. So if it fails to follow through, it will face a heftier tax burden. Uh, when we think of Singapore's biggest companies, uh, Jingyi, one of the first to come to my mind is DBS Bank. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Not only the biggest bank in Southeast Asia, it also has a market cap of more than $50 billion. Another firm has overtaken it, though. To claim the title of Singapore's most valuable homegrown public company, it's a firm that many may not know. It's called C, and it's also the parent company of the e-commerce platform Shopee. Jingyi, help us understand why C is a hot commodity. Yes, uh, Michelle, I would say if we want to count, you know, in Singapore, which are the e-commerce names, I think, you know, definitely at this point of time, C does come across. And I think, you know, that's been the team, the dominant team e-commerce throughout this COVID-19 pandemic. They're really getting quite a bit of attention. Um, and in fact, for a while, C, as you pointed out, you know, it's the biggest, uh, most valuable publicly listed company right now in Singapore. And we have certainly seen prices itself actually jumping 170% on the year-to-date basis. That brings it to about 108.95 years. So that itself, well, it certainly seems to be pretty elevated, but as you, uh, well, we'll be surprised to learn as well that consensus target price still actually see some of these upsides as well and really does sound a bit like the kind of moving target we've been talking a little bit about, especially when it comes to e-commerce firms nowadays, uh, but, but primarily e-commerce um, supported firms nowadays. So on that end itself, I think, you know, definitely that's one of the key reasons. But if we look and drill a little bit down into, you know, what exactly is contributing to see, um, I think, you know, household names really does come about, as you mentioned, Shopee. I think you and I probably been on it. Oh, yeah. uh, the likes of, yeah, caving firms, <laughs> Garena. Those are the ones really getting quite a bit of this revenue coming through as people stay at home. Um, the third arm for C itself is actually a bit of the digital finance services and called C money. Um, that may not come through as a bit of something that we are familiar with. And certainly, I think in terms of the revenue-wise, it's really a bit of a bleak look at this point of time compared to their digital entertainment or e-commerce side of things. But still, I think, you know, that's really that's a bit of a diversification. So to the market, it's been seen altogether as a lot of this growth um, well factors in C. And therefore, I think, you know, it's really looking towards more of this upside. I think as much as price, um, the momentum at this point of time, I think is too much steady. So I think that's really well, perhaps a little bit of a positive sign for investors as well. Okay, I can't help the puns now. So no surprise <laughs> that C has surfed the digital wave to emerge as Singapore's most valuable listed firm. Also, I have to push a little bit. So um, I know that C shares fell 5% overnight to about 109 US dollars per share. Jingyi, at this level, a goodbye? Well, so I think it's certainly something that's dependent, I would say, once again, a little bit on your time horizon. So we've seen prices itself actually decline. And this alongside the rest of, well, uh, U.S. markets, as we know, overnight, uh, we've, we talked about initial claims that really came through to be quite a bit of a disappointment. And over and above that, I think, you know, we're seeing this market taking a bit of more cautious view ahead of more of this tech earnings coming through. So that seems to some of the better performance um, sectors, including the likes of e-commerce, the likes of tech, the likes of uh, um, some of the communication services sectors, likewise taking a toll. So I would say that this itself is really a bit of an adjustment. Um, I think, you know, it depends on what's the time horizon, but, you know, as we discussed, there's actually still upsides expected for C. Uh, so if you are actually, you know, really... Um, done your homework and invest a little bit more into this uh, and personally I would say that you know there's a lot of growth uh, p- potential with the likes of these kind of e-commerce companies then I would say that yes I think definitely take a look here as well. Well because C shares have been on fire it's, uh, Singapore has a, its brand new billionaire C co-founder David Chen Singapore's newest billionaire. Welcome to the 10 Figure Club. Mm-hmm. Alright the STI 
I should say, you know, congratulations for him being part of that club. I'm not part of that club, just for clarity's sake. The Straits Times Index rallied yesterday to climb back above the 2600 mark, closing at 2612. How's it doing today, Jingyi? Yes, yeah, so Michelle, I think certainly, you know, well, pretty much preempted with these share prices. What we are looking across Asian markets this Friday here is quite a bit of a risk off but cutting across the region. So it's local straight times index, likewise, we are seeing, well, at least what I'm seeing on screen right now, it's a 0.77% drop that brings prices down to 25.92 spot 16 for the STI. Um, so this, of course, well, we've seen Wall Street actually declining overnight. And over and above that, I think there's a bit of this, well, uh, hurling or these comments uh, by the U.S. administration towards China as well. So a little bit more of the signs of U.S.-China tensions aggravating once again. So on the end, itself, we're seeing the markets taking a bit of a cautious view to end the week uh, so far and certainly quite a bit of sell-off. But, you know, really, I think at this point of time, markets still a little bit treading water, um, perhaps really just waiting for more of these big techniques coming out. We've seen uh, Intel didn't really produce too much of a positive um, well, reaction in the after-hours trade falling 10%, so just want everyone to be a little bit cautious when you uh, look at the short term for tech stocks as well. Always great speaking with you. Enjoy your weekend, Jingyi. Thank you, Michelle. Have a great weekend. I'll speak with you next week. Pan Jingyi is market strategist with IG. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.